We were there at the dawn of the Third Age of Mankind, in the Earth year 2257, deep in neutral space. We were there when the last of the Babylon stations was founded. The name of the pod is Babylon 5. Episode 19, A Voice in the Wilderness, in which the planet Babylon 5 orbits around, begins revealing its ancient secrets, setting off a power struggle over who will control it. Welcome to The Name of the Pod, your Babylon 5 podcast about the enduring cultural legacy of the great 1990s television program Babylon 5. I am your co-host, John Cassie, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend and yours, Chris Tatro. Chris, uh, you might notice a spring, a spring in my step, a, a little bit of a little bit of enthusiasm in my voice. Do you know why that might be? That gum you like has come back in style. <laughs> oh, oh, you're gonna get it. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. No, I, I, I would guess it's because we are out of the the season one doldrums. We are well clear of the doldrums mm. of season one. Here with uh, a voice in the wilderness. <clears throat> Which for American audiences is presented as a two-part episode, you know, to be continued, but which the, uh, you know, again, dropping the mad cred to the Lurker's Guide to Babylon 5, uh, you know, which Lurker's Guide uh, has some commentary from uh, JMS that says that he uh, envisioned this as sort of a two-hour movie for, uh, you know, for European audiences, because European Japanese audiences really liked the the pilot movie. So he sort of wrote another one as a, essentially a, a television movie. Well, I guess somebody had to. They, you know, there's something about Laurel Takashima. That's probably the Germans. Yeah. There's something yeah. about Laurel Takashima, I think, that, that resonates with the German character. You know, if mm. you think about it, she's very much like Angela Merkel. Mm-hmm. Go on. Uh, I'm just going to leave that. For the reflection okay. of the audience, right? Laurel yes, Takashima please. as an exercise, Angela Merkel. An, an exercise for the listener. An exercise for the listener. Yeah, I don't, wouldn't want to. Uh, uh, I, w- I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't want spoon the listener feed to. Them. Yeah, exactly, spoon feeding. It's yeah. so. Uh, we respect our audience too much for that's that. That's correct. Of thing. That's correct. Um, yes. So, so he envisions this as a, you know, kind of as a telemovie, right? As a as a mm-hmm. kind of two hour standalone kind of thing, and and I think it really works as a. Uh, you know, as a movie. And, uh, you know, listeners, we're going to talk about Voice in the Wilderness Part 1 and 2 today as one as one episode. We're going to talk about it essentially as if it were a movie. And mm-hmm. I think as a movie, uh, this is one of the best things we've gotten out of this show since, since we started. You know, certainly I, in the running for the very best thing we've seen so far. I agree. I agree. This, it had a, it, it really is self-contained in the way that it has a full story. I, you, you probably could jump into this as your first exposure to Babylon 5 without a lot of confusion. Maybe you'd need to kind of figure who these characters are a little bit. They're not as, as well introduced as they could be otherwise, but uh, just knowing kind of general science fiction-y tropes, you, you could hop into this one uh, just just off the street and 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 pick it up and it definitely has a level of quality uh, and 
you know, we were talking before we started recording, it shows us a lot of the things that we've just wanted out of the show for 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 the last 18, 19 episodes. And now now we, we it delivers. You know, I I'm thinking about this this particular script, this show, in in the context that you just said. What if you were to have run this as the fourth episode, right? Or something like this, mm. all right? Mm-hmm. So t- I'm going to take us back to some of our you know, previous conversations where we were saying things like, why am I getting another Dr. Franklin episode when I haven't gotten a Michael Garibaldi episode? And mm-hmm. why this angle and why these Mary Sue characters coming in let the characters on the station interact with each other in some way so that we can learn about them in relation to each other. We don't need these external characters who are one and done. You know, Walker Smith, Jason Ironheart, Soul Hunter 1 and 2, right? We don't we don't need these yeah. characters, right? And right. I I think if you had done something like this, you've got you've got the pilot movie. Mm-hmm. You do Three episodes, each one of which has a lot of what I might call ordinary station business. So you Mm -hmm. get to see Sinclair, Ivanova, and Garibaldi at their work. Okay? Mm -hmm. Each one of those, and that's all the B plot. Okay, that's that's B. All right? Mm -hmm. The A plot is Narn and Centauri. Midnight on the Firing Line. Okay. Yeah. Mimbari. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you've got a little bit of sort of Narn, Centauri, and Mimbari. Or you get a little bit of Vorlon business. You get the stuff mm-hmm. with Talia Winters maybe. Right? The yeah. Vicar stuff, yeah. which we didn't like. So, but maybe you yeah. open that up some and don't make it the B. You make it the A. Mm-hmm. Right? And try to do something yeah. else with it. Right? And then, and then you do this. Then you do this telemovie, mm-hmm. and that would have been amazing, I think. Yeah, probably too fast-paced for television in American television time. in the 90s. Yeah. I think as we're seeing the shift now more and more to prestige, quote-unquote, television yeah. and shorter seasons, you know, this is, this is what I think the BBC had right all along when you look mm-hmm. back at the, at the uh, you know, old serials or shows that we would watch growing up, you know, things that are like six, eight episodes and done Yes, uh, for a season or a series. Um, don't, don't force us through 22 episodes. I mean, a lot of the network shows are still doing that to us today in the genre stuff. You have, you have 22 episode season to fill out and, you know, you're going to have at least a third of it is just padding you just, to, just to get you there, not in service of whatever larger story that you're telling. Right. Um, but I don't think anybody, at least in American television, was doing this in in the mid '90s. Yeah, yeah, no one was, it, were they? No. We've said before it'd be very interesting to to see sort of an HBO uh, prestige series of Babylon Five. Keep it five seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, make it ten episodes a season. Mm-hmm. Um, give it give it the modern you know budget. Throw everything at it that you need to, mm-hmm. and sort of reboot, retell the story. I know reboots are not popular in science fiction these days, but you know, 
start again from the beginning. Let's go through it. You know, retell it with all the lessons that have been learned in storytelling over the last 25 years. Right. Um, I think it would be, I think it'd be magnificent. I think it would be magnificent as well. Um, and with all of that kind of HBO money, yeah. right? I mean, imagine, imagine what this show looks like with that, with that level of retreatment. Just yeah. bring the original team of designers back together mm-hmm. and give them you know, these new computers and whatever. And boy, howdy, would that show yeah. look great. Hey, HBO, your, your Game of Thrones money's drying up after right. another year. Right. You've, you've got, you've got an open line on the budget. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take your point about reboots being mm, maybe a little dubious, but if they can do to the Babylon five universe, the story, what the, what Ronald Moore did, with Galactica's mm-hmm. pre-existing content, yes. right? You know, I think the 1978-79 um, Battlestar Galactica remains a good series. Lots of problems, lots mm-hmm. of silliness, uh, but really good. Good bones to build something from. Now, the 2000, you know, three, four Galactica wickedly more dark and I suspect the Babylon 5 in 2018 would be way darker, mm-hmm. right? But maybe yeah. it would benefit from that. Yeah. You know, it's, I think anything that's produced is a reflection of its time. And, yeah. you know, certainly, you know, we, we've got the stories of Earth and Mars and things that are happening back on the, on the home front for the, for the humans. Yeah. Um, in the current political climate, be very interesting to see what that gets spun to 250 years down the line. Yeah. There would definitely be some of our own anxieties and tensions expressed in, in that Mars resistance movement. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you think about Quebec separatism and Scottish separatism Mm -hmm. and, um, and the Cat- the Catalan vote Catalan. from you know from just uh, you know just recently, uh, right. you've got a lot of that stuff going on. Not in the United States, but you've got a lot of it going on uh, you know kind of worldwide. And it would be it would be interesting to to see the Mars story mm. with these newer perspectives, mm-hmm. um, because if if Mars is governed as it as it appears to be governed, well. You don't need to have, you know, you don't need to have been around the barn very much sci-fi wise to realize, yeah, that isn't going to hold. Right. You know, Mars, Mars is always going to want to be independent, you know. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, it's the expanse. It's red Mars. It's it's over and over. Right. It's a constant. It's right. It's I mean, it's basically a. uh, It's one of those laws. uh, Yeah, right. Things were different in the south. And uh, whatever you can envision, someone has tried it and liked it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Lynch's laws. Precisely. Precisely. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so what we're going to what we're going to inevitably see is. Tension building to tension, building to tension. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're going to get a little bit of a little bit of exposure a few episodes from now to uh, to Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And so now, look, you've, you've, got the, you've, you've got the sort of classic hard sci-fi expression of how this solar system is going gonna, is gonna to expand. Except we don't have a lot of talk about 
Luna about moon stuff. No. No, it's really sort of Earth and then the Mars colony, right? Yeah. And and we learned that Sinclair was born on Mars. Mm. Yeah. Which I which I we, we didn't know. And and that sort of goes back to my to my point that I've been belaboring here is that just having an opportunity for characters who you want us to care about to drink some coffee talk about the news mhm we don't need 10 minutes of it but we needed yeah. earlier mhm 20 seconds of it and then 20 more and then yeah. 20 more it gives us much more about them than having you know an old friend or someone come onto the station and and go through their story right. and, in which our main characters of the show are only, you know, sort of the reflections of that and how they react to that story. Right. We've, we've seen a lot of opportunities to, to, to try to get behind our characters that way. And I don't think, I don't think really any of them have, have delivered. We didn't learn anything substantial about Talia from having, you know, Jason Ironheart, you know, right. come onto the station. We didn't learn anything about Garibaldi from Walker coming onto the station. You know, it, it just, you know, let, let, let the main characters be the main characters and, and let them, let them sit down and tell you about themselves in mm-hmm. natural ways mm-hmm. rather than forcing them to grow by bouncing off your non-player characters. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good way to think about it. Let your PCs yeah. BPCs, right? We're descending into a uh, tabletop role-playing game talk here. Yeah, case, right. Well, why, why am I assuming that anyone, uh, you know, 20 episodes into a Babylon 5 podcast doesn't know what a tabletop role-playing game is? Right. Well, we've certainly referenced it plenty of times, yeah. right, when we've talked about, you know, storytelling. But, you know, yeah. it, it for those of you who, who don't kind of know necessarily what we're talking about, PC, player character, NPC, non-player character, player character is something... Is someone that that you know your 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 game players have invested part of their their time, energy, and and uh, you know identity into, mm-hmm. and a non-player character is just everything in the universe that the game master has to control, so that the player characters, when they're not interacting with each other, when they're interacting with the environment, have someone to interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the 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 tendency on this show up until now has been to put the PCs more into uh, relationship with non-player characters. Uh, and that is to the program's detriment. Yeah. But, well, we but get now, some, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, go. Yeah, we get some really, we get some really good moments of, of interaction between, between characters in places that we haven't really seen before or things that are, that are shoring up. We'd seen some, some Londo and Garibaldi interaction very early on. In this, I think it was even in... Midnight on the firing line. It was way back at the beginning. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it was even in the gathering. I can't recall. But, but you know, here we get that moment where where Londo just sits down and and to 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 sort of cheer Garibaldi up. And, right. And it, it's really it's heartfelt, and you can yes. really you can you can tell that there is a there is a friendship and there is a bond between these two men, and it's um you know it's it's a it's a really nice moment. Yes. Yes. Um, and an essential and, and, moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been waiting for this moment. Yeah. And I'm glad that we finally got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
we get the we get uh, Sinclair coming to Garibaldi when they're talking about evacuating the station, mm-hmm. and you know saying, "Hey, some of us are, aren't going to make it off, but you make sure that Ivanova gets on that last shuttle." Yeah, right, right, you right. Know, that you know, and, and the unspoken thing there is we're not getting on that shuttle. Oh, right, but she is. She you know, is one way or the other. She's going to be on there, and right. and that that says a huge number of things about about the two of them and their relationship to Ivanova yes. and, and how it all fits together. And I liked that, you know, it, it wasn't a, it could have very easily gone, gone down a very sexist, misogynistic path. Yes. Yes. Almost. But, but the, the rationale was, you know, she's the, she's young. She's got her whole career ahead of her. Right. These, these two guys are old men. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and they see they see that kind of potential in her, that right. they never say out loud, and they certainly would never say to her. No, never. She wouldn't want it. No, but, no. But there's that. You know, that was in a, again. It was just a little like two minute scene, and it right. was it was perfect. And I'm glad that we got not just the two that you cited, but dozens more. Yeah. Uh, well. I'm not as glad about the hokey pokey. Uh, no, you know that's lo- we, where we get Londo and Delenn and our uh, guest star of the week drawl. Um, you know, talking about this bizarre human song that they always sing to their children, um, <laughs> and it's uh, I'm, I just I, I watched that as it like can it felt like it went on for days. Yes, and and I just oh please stop. Right, right, yeah, just just put me down. Just, just put yeah. me just yeah. Um, I mentioned in the pre-show that I wanted to have a few minutes to talk about direction, mm-hmm. and I think that one of the reasons why we are getting, or one of the reasons why we are feeling about this episode the way that we are, is because of the work of the director. And the director in this case, her name is Janet Greek. And we referenced her direction back in Signs and Portents. At least I think I did. Mm-hmm. And said, mm-hmm. this episode feels much tighter than yeah. stuff that we've seen before. And I and and I said, and perhaps that's a, th- that is the work of the show's of the episode's director, Janet Greek. She also directed And the Sky Full of Stars. Now there's yeah. stuff about that we didn't care for, but we have said, and the sky full of stars, Cracker Jack episode, yeah. with the exception of the overacting. Signs and portents, the most important episode to date from a mythology mm-hmm. perspective. And now yeah. we get even more kind of mythology content, we think. Epsilon 3 clearly is related to the larger mythology, even though we're, yes. not, gonna, we're not gonna riff on that now because it's gonna be paid off much mm-hmm. later. Um, but these characters written by JMS and then given to her to, to bring to life, yeah. I think everyone's performance is elevated by her direction. And that's the I, only I thing agree. I can say is different, right? Yeah. You know? everyone, everyone was, was really on in this episode, I didn't. Right. I, I didn't feel like anybody was was really. There, there was no clunker performance. Usually, in every one of these episodes, you'd be like, "Oh, that person, 
Uh, right. But no, everybody was on. Some of the and this this the script was was written by JMS. Yes. You know, he hasn't written all of these, but right. it was wordy and clunky in places. But but the performances, I thought, you know, were 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 excellent. Right. Sinclair, warmer, more mm-hmm. confident in his, in his leadership. Mm-hmm. Garibaldi, more effective. Ivanova, more a little more nuanced. Yeah. Uh, you Garibaldi, know. effective and also conflicted because all the time that he's focusing on this this major crisis with the planet, he's also half his brain is engaged thinking about what's going on back on Mars. Correct. And 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 pulling that off in a in a really good way. Right. You can imagine this in the hands of some of this program's other directors just not fitting together very well. Right. The Mars stuff yeah. being too kind of overdone, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. the the fact that Garibaldi just seems sort of like you know, both uh, beside himself with anxiety and then just beaten down with sort of life weariness, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you, you need a competent director to get you to that place as an actor. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that not only are there no clunker performances, but I think that there are some of the really the best performances we've seen out of these actors. Yeah. Um, going forward and and there's a there's a tightness to the way in which we're presented with the station's activity a crispness you know no walk with more purpose mm-hmm. you are in charge right yes. get your put yeah. your shoulders back a little bit you know mm-hmm. be be in charge right no, yeah. be be more. Be, don't be shouty. Be world weary. Yeah. Right. And and the shouty thing, you know, we get a level of shouty from Captain Pierce. Yes. Of the Hyperion, but and and an arrogance that's annoying and is still part of how adversaries are delivered in this first season. Yes. But but he is not he is not as aggressively shouty as. You know, thing two, night two, um, or any of another dozen, right? Ad, you know, antagonists that we've seen come along. He's, you know, he's, he's he, there. There's there's a there's a, a, a softness to his shoutiness that makes no sense you, at all. But, but you get what I mean, <laughs> right? 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 Yeah. Yeah. You you can you can imagine her in her chair when when he comes out and mm. does his mm. does his thing, and she's like, oh no no no, no no. You're at an eight. I don't do eight. I do do four. (laughs) I do four. You can go to five, but you better Mm -hmm. set your point on four. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you have an Earth battle cruiser sitting here. You don't need to yell. The cruiser is yelling for you. You (laughs) Let that be your yell. It's it's right there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Yeah. Uh, So... I know that uh, that Janet Greek is going to direct Chrysalis, the the season one finale, and there's a lot going on in that episode. And I look forward to talking more about, uh, you know, more about her work at yeah. that point. You know, you you 
you can't. I, no longer. I, th- I I don't think you can deny at this point how important competent direction is in this show. And I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to other people who did work that's really that's really strong. I th- I think yeah. I think in some respects the best thing about this episode is her direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. and uh, you know we'll 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 come back to it when we get her next when we get her next episode Chrysalis. Yeah, and, and beyond that, it looks like I'm looking down her IMDb listing, and she's going to be around for a lot of the big episodes. Uh, so we'll be we'll be looking at her and 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 seeing looking for patterns in maybe some of the other directors who maybe aren't aren't nailing it quite as strongly as as she is. Right. Right. Um, but I would definitely say, looking at the episodes she's done in season one, I think she is without question the strongest that we've seen so far. Right. She's the uh, she's the sort of the best interpreter of this material. She can almost make the words that JMS writes sound like they're supposed to come out of human mouths. Right. <laughs> well said. You know, in, in in some ways, and and again, love the show. Wouldn't be doing committing to many years of doing a Babylon Five right, podcast right, if, right. I, if we didn't. But, you know, it, it sometimes seems like Straczynski was raised in a sensory deprivation tank where he never actually heard another human being speak until he began, you know, his writing career. Right, right. Is that too harsh? Somewhere. Uh, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> as long as he doesn't listen. So I'm, I'm looking back at Lurker's Guide, right? And there's a yes, big, please. obviously, he's, he's, he was getting some flack on the internet, uh, you know, Alt.newsgroup.babylon5 oh, or whatever the hell it was back in... Back when we had to hand crank our internet. That's right, back in the Stone Age. Is, is this the one where he where there's the blurb about speeches? Yes, yeah. Oh, okay, says, I remembered reading that, yeah. but I didn't know it was this episode. I love monologues. They are a legitimate part of any drama, kind of. The MTV generation has had its taste so thoroughly bastardized by quick cuts, lowering the attention span further and further that any bite of more than 10 seconds and they start to wander... It becomes a block of words, and they blurt it out. Now, just to the point about speechifying, right. I've got two more paragraphs here of about <laughs> 900 more words. No, I'm, yeah. I'm being flippant. Yeah. Um, Millennials have ruined Babylon 5. Millennials have ruined... Yeah. No, we were, we're the MTV generation. I, that, I we know, ruined what, Babylon 5. It, <laughs> it goes around. You know, every time I see an article about how... You know that that oh millennials ruined the buggy whip. You know it's it's you know it's generational. Everybody right, yeah, that's everybody's right. going to blame the new the new generation that comes around. You know doesn't have the attention span or the capacity to enjoy the things that we loved back in the day. Right but, now, you know, now I, you he know, says, I, I "Go rent Network" by Patty Chayefsky. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch Network. Watch yes. the Twilight Zone. Okay, definitely. Mm-hmm. Here's to your point. The critique, if you're going to write these speeches, you have to make them sound natural enough that a person would actually talk that way. Right. And that's where I think he struggles. Now, in this episode, I'm going to cut to my Straczynskiist line. The business during the trade negotiations, you know, the the you know it's simple physics you know the 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 mm. Narn hate us and then the, and then we hate them and then they hate us and then we hate them and then mm-hmm. it 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 all it all balances out nicely I I, I don't have the line right yeah. but uh, it, I believe because it was my line for this oh, episode. good okay so read it because uh, I didn't write it down yeah if 
If the Narn all stood together in one place and hated all at the same time, that hatred could fly across uh, across dozens of light. I can't read my writing here. Across dozens of light years and reduce Centauri Prime to a ball of ash. <laughs> That's a nice line. Uh, it's it's a it's a nice line, and it's it's it. But I just I. It's it's too long for somebody to say kind of conversationally, you know. Right. And this is this is certainly not just a flaw uh, within the writing on this show, or or the writing from J. Michael Straczynski. You know, so so much of television is like no one would would say that whole thing without being interrupted or someone right. kind of stepping on them and a, and an argument you know going back and forth from that. It's. Uh, but that yeah that that was definitely the line that jumped. Well, that and. And the Babylon 5 mantra. Right. Yeah. Ivanova is always right. I will listen to Ivanova. I will not ignore Ivanova's recommendations. Ivanova is God. And if this happens again, Ivanova will personally rip your lungs out. Right. <laughs> Which, again, too long and too wordy. Right. But, you know, but loved it. Yeah, right. We'll, we'll, we will let you do this with her. But Absolutely. sort of with no one else, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was um, to the point about about character voice. Okay, so uh, John, my John, mm-hmm. and just is doing a graduate school program, and he was given a uh, a short response piece of homework, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, I, "I totally overdid it. I wrote three hundred and fifty words, and and the response was seventy five. I was asked for 75. I said, that's too long. I said, 75, though, that's that's much too short, I think, to, to ask someone to write about. I said, for me, that's a sentence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I talk a certain way. You talk a certain way. If you have character, some characters are going to talk in these sort of long, discursive, recursive sentences with these sort of fancy pants words and others aren't. Mm -hmm. The problem is too many characters are given these kind of long discursive recursive Mm -hmm. speeches, but that's not really how those characters talk. And so it doesn't land. Ivanova talks the way that she does, you know, Ivanova is God. You will do what Ivanova says. If you don't do what Ivanova says, Ivanova will tear your lungs out. Do you get it? Yeah. Right? That's, that's Short about declarative sentences. Of... Yes. Yeah. Most people don't talk in this kind of, you know, Cormac McCarthyan. Why, why write a sentence of 100 words when you could write one that's 500 words long kind of way? Was it? Ben Franklin or Mark Twain or whoever that, that wrote, forgive me for writing such a long letter, I didn't have time to write a shorter one. Right. You know, that, that, that <laughs> That's phrase. a great yeah, sentence. And it, feels, it, it, it is, and I find that in my own writing a lot of the time. I will go, you know, I, I'll, I'll write a, a work email, and I'll look back at it, and I'll say, mm, no, this is, this, is, this is a full paragraph. No one's going to read a full paragraph. You know, again, the MTV generation has, right. uh, has ruined our right. attention span. So right. let me go back and edit and distill this down. It's why I think some of the idea behind Twitter of get what you need to say out, you know, learn how to say it in 140 characters, mm-hmm. 
there's there's something uh, there's something good and, and and golden in that, and something that you could that that's instructional. Um, and then you mm-hmm. get people who are like, you know, one of three hundred and eighty-five, and you have to read through this entire thread. And yeah, burning wasteland. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Which, but that's the least problem. That's the smallest problem Twitter has. But we digress. But we digress. Um, (laughs) Did we want to talk about the uh, the technology down on Epsilon three, or did we just want to stipulate to it and say we don't know what that is? We don't know who built it. Well, that's okay. We don't. We don't have any sense at this point in the series of what this thing does other than it's huge and it was apparently undetectable because nobody right. knew this thing was here. Right. Um, it just is happenstance or destiny or fate or whatever you call it that that the station was parked in orbit around this place. Um, but it was a little weird that um, to me, and I, I just jotted this note down, we have all of this, you know, miles and miles tall computer cores and buildings and whatnot in there and they're they're launching what looks for all purposes to be late 20th century missiles mm-hmm. uh, you know okay there were some rays and some other kinds of advanced uh, advanced weaponry defensive systems and whatnot but mm. uh, yeah we don't really know what's the purpose of this thing we know it protects itself but but what's going what's really going on down there and why does it need a person to be plugged into it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's what's that interaction? Uh, yeah, I we're deliberately left not knowing, you know, and and it will get it will pay off down the line. I I like the fact that we're not told what it is. Oh yeah, right. It's a reminder that uh, while we may be at the dawn of the third age of mankind, the dawn of the third age of mankind is the dawn of the seventh age of the universe, and that there are players. Involve, I mean, clearly the Vorlon and the Shadows will will yeah. to sort of stipulate to that. But there are civilizations and cultures that long predated the Narn and the Vorlon and the and the Centauri and the humans and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. this is what I expect from my my hard sci fi universes: mm-hmm. a mysterious planet with a weird bunch of stuff on it. You're never going to really know what it does because. The the mind that created it is so alien that and so much more advanced, you know, right? Yeah. That, that 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 it's it's virtually magic, right? Mm-hmm. Dynamite, I, I, yeah. great. Give me more of that stuff, right? The mm-hmm. fact, I mean, the fact that it that it that that dumb luck apparently has placed this very expensive uh, uh, space station. Right over this planet, oh, maybe mm-hmm. it isn't dumb luck, but good grief! Yeah. You know, you, what a, what an what an ill-starred planning department. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, you know, oh, hmm, yeah. oh, good old Epsilon Three. That looks like a you know, uh, you know, a barren mm-hmm. rock, dead in space. You know, uh, yeah. Ex- you think ex- they would have done some more surveys before right. <laughs> deciding to park the right. station there? Right. You know, poke at the planet a little bit more, but right. nah, just you know, it doesn't look very interesting. Let's just well, right. You know, they, they were on a time crunch. Honestly, they had to have been. They right. Built this thing. What, what's it been? Four years since yeah, Babylon that's right. Four vanished. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that's pretty fast to build something this size. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Uh, yeah. 
So it's good. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, it's uh, interesting. Go. You go. It's, a, it's interesting that we don't have Kosh at all in this episode. Mm-hmm. And again, my memory failing me. I don't know if the Vorlons ever comment on Epsilon 3 down the line. I'm sure they, they probably do. And, and, and folks, please post on Facebook and tell me you know, how far on they start talking about it. Because you know, for them to show up and say, you know, you're not ready for immortality yet. Well, well, how about this? I mean, uh-huh. you're parked next to this this massive tech that, that's going to give give the Vorlons a run for the, for their money, you know, presumably. I would I would think they they would be interested in some kind of injunction. I mean, the planet's going to defend itself, and if it's pretty clear, don't come back here. Yeah. Um, you know, why are you so obsessed with my you know mystery cabinet of secrets? You know, it, it, that's going <laughs> to yeah, be right. tantalizing sitting right there. Yeah, of course, EarthGov is going to uh, pay attention to that. That right, right. But um, yeah, I, I, I guess it's one of those things where you couldn't have Kosh. Yeah, because he might, he because he would have to intervene in some way, and that's harmful to the advancement of the plot. No matter which side he intervenes on. Yeah, you bring him in, and 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 you you you've got you've got problems. The problems that you cite. Or the problem of, what do you mean the Vorlons didn't realize? Yeah, they didn't know this was they here. They didn't know this was here, but I thought they were basically omnipotent, right? You can't expose them as being less than all-powerful in this way mm. without doing a lot of work about people kind of reacting to that and being like, yeah. oh my God, what even the Vorlons do? The Vorlons yeah, don't that- know it. Oh my God. <laughs> You know? That would have been interesting to me. That would have been. Yeah. That would have. That would have sold me a ticket to this episode. You know, super. I mean, it was good, but that. That's yeah. that's a question I left with. Like, hmm, I wonder what what he would have said. Right. Can you imagine the, uh, you know, go go find some, uh, go find some some thruster packs and let's put them on the side of the station. The Vorlons don't know what's down there. We got to get the hell out of here. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Push this mm-hmm. thing. You know. Uh, you know. Uh, I'm reminded of mm-hmm. the uh, of uh, the the emissary, the first episode of DS9, where mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, Major Kira's like, we we got to get we got to get this ship over there. Exactly. We got to get we've got to move yeah. this station. He's like, oh, are you are you on drugs? We have mm-hmm. six thrusters. Yeah. We can barely stay in orbit. Get out and <laughs> you, push. You, you want to go halfway across the star system? What? Mm. <laughs> well, let's let's invoke a static warp bubble made of anti anti neutrons and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, too bad they didn't have any mushrooms on board. That would have helped, Chris. I'm sorry. So. Are we, uh, have we come to the, the time for the IMDb corner? Oh, God bless. Which I promise will be a brief one. This Really? Week. Oh, um, yeah, all right. We'll, you know, we'll there, see. There, there, were, there were a handful of, of guest stars here. Yeah. Um, and yeah. none of them had, like, one of those really long and rich and surprising. I mean, they've, they've been, most of them had been in a, a smattering of things over a decade or two. And, you know, we've got... Uh, Ron Canada as Captain Pierce, which is maybe my favorite name in the series so far. Yeah, um, but but I'm going to go with uh, with uh, the actor who portrayed Drawl. Okay, um, born in Montreal, so I'm going to assume it's Louis instead of Louis Turin or Turin. 
Okay. Um, uh, Didn't again, look familiar to me. No, he'd been seemed, in a lot of different things over time. Seemed the, very the, competent. The, the, had a sort of yeah. David Warner kind of vibe about him. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one is, is really just for, for us and for our friend Rick, if he's listening. Okay. Um, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. No. He was the maitre d' at the restaurant where... Ah, uh, that yeah, officious where, maitre where d'? Bruce, yeah, where Bruce and Linda, they, they go on a date. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, we have a reservation. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Maybe you could sit at the bar. And then uh, then he comes over. He's like, it's been half an hour. You know, and you've seated people ahead of us. Oh, uh, you exaggerate. It's only been 20 minutes. Uh, right. And then they then they leave. Uh, yeah. The, the, the sort of racist, uh, racist maitre d'. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that character is quite memorable because he was yeah. so As soon disgusting. as I saw that, I, like the scene popped right into my head. I went on totally. to, to, to track it down and make sure my memory was correct. But uh, yeah, I love that movie. That was a great movie. Full yeah. stop. Uh, mm-hmm. Dragon the Bruce Lee story. What, 1993, 94, something like that? Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Who mm-hmm. played uh, Who played Linda? What's her name? I can see her face, but I can't. I, she's been in a bunch of stuff, and I've always liked her. Uh, that's Lauren Hawley. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Who, um, she was in one of those, not Northern Exposure, but one of those kinds of. Th- Picket Fences, um, something like that? Yeah, yeah. And then was she the one that was in... Uh, that was in Crank 2? can't remember if that... Mm. No, that wasn't her. And I, I always thought Jason Scott Lee was quite good. I don't know quite why his career never quite, you know, went to that next level. Yeah. Um, uh, presumably sort of um, typecasting and what have you. You know, that once you, once you do this kind of a film, it, might, it can be hard sometimes to escape, you know, you know that kind of, um, you know, that kind of typecasting. So, Chris, I think as we wrap up this episode, I think we got ourselves a, a dandy piece of of television here. One of the high points. Good relationship building, good character development, um, significant plot advancement. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe not advancement, but it's laid a lot of foundation. Mm-hmm. It's It's moving us in the direction of the meta plot, but maybe it's... It's, it's getting right. us ready for what's going to come. Right, for sure. And doing it in a way that's uh, th- that's really giving us the personalities and sort of the human side and the, the, uh, the kind of personal depth that you and I have been talking about wanting really since the start of the show. So... You know, kind of if we think about this as a bravo indeed, right? If we think about this kind of a all right, now now we're 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 fully launched. You're out uh, of the wilderness. Very exciting. Out of the wilderness, exactly. Just as you say. Uh, folks, if you want to uh, chat with us, our Facebook group gets a lot of traffic, the name of the pod on Facebook, so why not come and chat with us there? Always a number of lively conversations going on. Uh, you could certainly reach us at the name of the pod at gmail.com if you were so motivated. Uh, the um, there's no uh, there's no limit to the number of five star reviews that uh, that you might that you might choose to give uh, uh, on on iTunes or elsewhere. So if you're giving so, them is free. I think I think giving them is free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. 
Uh, or you could, of course, look us up on our, you know, on our webpage. If you type the name of the pod into your search engine, you will be directed to us for back episodes and uh, and additional content. Uh, folks, uh, looking forward to talking to you next week about Babylon Four. You heard it, Babylon Four. What? 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 But what? What? Babylon Squared next week. Thanks for listening, folks. Please, please tell me you have your recorder. I don't. I don't. I'm going to try it again. Oh. I'm going to do it right now. Ready? <laughs> okay. Just the it. right sync. Just the right bounce. And just the right bounce. <laughs> a special kind of hybrid mattress. It's a special <laughs> kind of hybrid mattress.